We're going to start the, uh, the, our service with the words of Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in his honour and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on nations and punishment on peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, good morning. Um, we're going to start the year with a little bit of a one-off. Um, as the year goes, uh, goes on, uh, the next things that are going to happen, we're going to have a little pulpit rotation. Um, we are planning, there is a mini-mission um, taking part during half-term. Um, those cards are probably still out there in the, uh, in the, in the chairs. Um, and in advance of that, you will get Keith coming for a week, Keith Wilson from Ashford Kong, you will get Andy Savile um, and me, and we're speaking on the, uh, the blessings of the gospel past, present, and, and future. Um, and then we'll get a couple uh, of um, sermons uh, from Proverbs. We'll do a look at a little bit of wisdom. And then in the run-up to Easter, uh, Rob will take us through the Sermon on the Mount. So I got a one-off today, and I didn't wonder what to do, but what we're going to do is um, a subject which I've been thinking about for some time and which we need to look through, which is the subject of praise. I did call it on the bulletin worship, but then I realised as I'm writing, it's really the subject of praise. And uh, you might want to have your Bibles open at Psalm 149. That was the the psalm Bill used earlier on. And that's on page 633. And I'm going to refer to that as we go along. And as we head into a new year, it's a good time, isn't it, to come back to our vision statement. And here it is. We want to be a church in which God moves as we witness through word-based oneness. And I think it's the right vision. Um, I think it's shaped what we've done. I think it is happening. That's the exciting thing about it as a vision. So we have said that we want to have a quality of community, a oneness um, that's based on Shared beliefs, it's a word-based oneness. It's based around our common relationship with Jesus. So again, it's word-based, he is the word. And we want that relationship in itself to be a witness um, to people around us and to those who see us as a church. We want that community uh, to be something that people want to belong to. And they do, and we've seen that uh, in the last few months. And I think that's a a positive and a thing which we ought to give God thanks for. And we want that community then to be a witness in itself, but we want it to be the, 
uh, the ground for evangelism. We want to be able to go out there and tell people that God is good without the quality of our fellowship undermining that or taking away anything out of that. And we want to do that. And by, by doing that, we invite God to work. We invite God's blessing um, upon what we do. And that vision came largely out of Acts 2, the end of Acts 2, um, which Bill's read to us earlier on. But it's confirmed by our studies in, in John, um, in 1 John, and, and back in the studies in John that, that Rob did. What did what, I'm sorry, I'm not going through my... <coughs> let me get my act together. What, did we, what was the signs of a true church in 1 John? It's, it's a church that, um, that believes that Jesus is the word, that Jesus has come in the flesh. Uh, uh, that's the test of a true church. It's word-based. It is based on Christ. It is based on the truth about Christ. That's what John said. It's a church that does what he says, and at the center of that command is that command to love one another. We saw that in 1 John. That's what a true church is. But I think there's a kind of strand of that Acts 2 that isn't explicit in our vision statement. And that is praise. If you went back to what, uh, to what Bill said, they said every day these people, this is the early church after Pentecost, uh, in a time of, of great revival and renewal, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together uh, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor uh, of all the people. So praising God, was it just in those meetings when they broke bread in their homes, when they um, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, or, or was it uh, all the time that they were enjoying the favor of all the people? I'm not sure. But it was, certainly was when they were meeting together. Praise was a feature of their meetings. And praise was the kind of, was the soundtrack um, to everything that, that they did. And that would be my hope uh, for us this year. I think our praise is a little bit sporadic. I think our praise is sometimes a little bit um, half-hearted. I think there is a, a way we could go. Um, with our praise. So I want to, to kind of reflect um, on praise as it was there in Psalm 149, uh, some, bleh, Psalm 149 which Bill um, read as his call to worship at the beginning of the service. So here we are, get your Bibles open, page 633. And let's just look through a, a, few, a few aspects of praise, what our praise should look like, what should drive our praise. And the first thing I want to suggest is that we should um, praise to the end. By which I mean this. If you've been working through the book of Psalms as part of your um, yearly Bible reading, various Bible ways of reading through the Bible in a year, but quite often they'll take the Psalms as a, as a separate thing. So maybe you've been reading through the last of the few Psalms um, towards the end of last year. I was. And you'll have just visit, uh, finished the book. And if you have been doing, you will notice that the book of Psalms finishes uh, with five, five Psalms that start and finish with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Which is the Hebrew word hallelujah. And Tim Keller says this. The Psalms are, in the end, a miniature of life. Every possible experience, if prayed to the God who is really there, is destined to end in prayer. 
in praise rather. So the Psalms are a kind of, they're a microcosm of prayer, which means that all our prayer should be, uh, at the end, making its way through to praise. If the Psalms um, are all prayer, then by the time they get to the end, they've made it through um, to a great hymn of praise um, to God. So Keller says, confession leads to the joy of forgiveness. Laments lead to a deeper resting in him for our happiness. If we could praise God perfectly, we would love him completely and then our joy would be full. So praise should kind of be the culmination. Wherever you start in prayer, and we know all the different patterns for prayer, wherever you start, it should end with praise. But if the Psalms are a microcosm of prayer, they're also a microcosm of of life. And I guess there is this suggestion too, isn't there, that life ultimately will end with praise. When we go to be with the Lord, when Jesus comes again and starts a whole new world, what will it be full of? It will be full of perfect praise. So in two senses, in prayer and in life, you are heading towards praise. So can I use that as an encouragement to get on with it? Don't waste time. Don't live life without it. Just to do it. We should press on into praise. So that was the first thing the psalm says. And that was the first thing it leads us into. It says, praise the Lord. And then it says in in the verse 1, it says, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Why is there in the scriptures a repeated call to sing a new song? Okay, four, six times it's mentioned in the, in the Psalms. Four times it says, sing a new song. It says it once in Isaiah, it says it twice in, in Revelation. Then they sang a new song. What is this thing in scripture about a new song? And I suggest the answer is here in Psalm 40. This is David's experience. We don't know which particular experience it was. And he said this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So the Lord has rescued him from from something which he couldn't rescue himself, something which felt like a slimy pit. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear uh, the Lord and put their trust in him. So the Lord gives David in this situation uh, a new song to express a new work of the Lord. The Lord's rescued him from a hopeless situation and he's taken a new song to express a new work that the Lord has done in his life. So I think the more important part of this is this principle that in your relationship with the Lord, your ongoing relationship with the Lord, you should be experiencing new things from him. And I pray that for you as you go into the year. We know we've been rescued, haven't we, by Christ. But you should know that afresh. You should be able to say, we should be able to testify across the year, this is what the Lord's done for me. 
Okay, there are chunks of life which are, which are just grinding out, which are just being um, faithful to the Lord. But, it, but if you're one of his people, there will be times when you can say, this is what the Lord has done for me. The Lord, uh, a church in which God moves. And we look forward to being able to say in, in 14 days' time that the Lord has moved for, for Vivian and David. Uh, and in confidence that he will have done. He might, have dramatic, he might choose to dramatically heal. Or it might simply be that they can come back and they can say, um, the Lord was with us in this, that remarkably, though this was the most dangerous of times, the Lord was with us through it. Now this is what we want for the life of our church, and that is the more important part, that going through the year, new things happen. At the very least, you know, Paul keeps praying, doesn't he, um, for the Ephesians, I want you to know the love of Christ. So at the very least, I want for you this year, and I want you to pray for yourselves that you know how much God loves you more at the end than you did at the beginning. And when that happens, when a new work happens, when the Lord does a new thing, even if it's just in your daily readings, he shows you something new about himself, and you say, gosh, I'd forgotten that about the Lord, how good he is, how much he loves me. Then praise, doesn't it come automatically at that point? It should do. I think it does. Praise is just the outward expression of the inward relationship. And C.S. Lewis said, says this, that the humblest praise most. The humblest praise most, while cranks and malcontents praise least. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. Praise seems almost to be inner health made audible. You see, and I think you can think, we'll talk about more about songs in a minute. You can sing of, of that new thing God has done through old words, if the old words express the new thing. Uh, and we sing old words, don't we? I mean, effectively, they're all old words because they've all been um, written before. And we use them to express the new things that God has done in our lives. So you can sing about these um, new things through old words. But I think it would be churlish to say that those who have a vibrant relationship with God and the means to express it and, and write new songs should only do so through old songs. Why would we not say um, to those who are gifted... And, and those who are, uh, have a, a relationship with the Lord, that they write good new songs, which are, are genuinely new. But the important thing I want you to remember is we sing new songs because we see the Lord doing new things. <clears throat> so sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. We are called to sing uh, together. We are told to come together and, and sing. And why do we come together? Because we have become the people of God. Because we are a people. You are no longer on your own. You are no longer an individual. You are one of God's people. Um, you are a member of the, of the family of God that is Stains Kong. You are now a chosen people, one of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter says... You don't look very excited about that. I'm so surprised. Hopefully you will be excited by that as we go um, through this into a new year. We praise 
um, because we are a, a people. But we also praise because praise in itself is good and unpleasant. And C.S. Lewis says this, I think that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. I don't know if you get that. Praise is good. Psalm 135 says, um, to sing, sing to the Lord, sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. Whenever you find a good thing, um, you praise it. We talked about this um, at the carol service. So, um, and I talked about uh, Mo Salah at that point, um, and uh, his right-footed girl uh, against uh, Salzburg. And it was, a, it was a thing of glory. And you look at that, and you go to work, and you say, did you see? and what do you do? You say, did you see that Mo Salah goal? Whatever you think good, you praise. And when you praise it, um, you, you double that enjoyment by expressing it to and with someone else. And that should be the feature of our praise. We, we come together because it enhances um, our enjoyment of the Lord. So I don't know whether you saw, you know, anything we find good we praise. There was a thing about um, Ben Foster. I know they're all football illustrations, sorry. Um, but he saw some guy on the side of the road and stopped to pick him up. You know, um, he's a Premier League goalkeeper, and, and it, was, it was there on the news. Whatever we find good, we, we praise. So praise is inevitably an expression of our unity. Don't we ever thought about that? When we come together to praise the Lord, it is an expression of our unity. It is part of our word-based oneness to sing together. And more than that, it relies on unity for us to do it well. It relies on us coming with a heart of unity. And unity always has to say, I put down I put down my, my preferences uh, and my agenda that we can have, um, we can work on something together. So praise, corporate praise, always is, is an expression of unity, but it relies on us um, coming together and, and putting, our, um, putting our own preferences down. And so sadly it becomes part of many churches' disunity. And it's inevitable, isn't it? If your biggest new song moment, the moment when you came to know the Lord, was singing Majesty at Billy Graham, then it's going to be your favourite song and nothing is going to change that. It, it strikes me that for most people, their favourite songs are the ones when they were kind of young Christians. Um, or if you grew up singing And Can It Be uh, and, and the hymns of Wesley or uh, Watts or, or, or whoever, then, then they're going to be your favourites. But maybe your biggest new song moment was you sang Good, Good Father... Um, you're going to have your favourite songs. But to do unity, we have to be generous with one another and allow each other, I think, a share of the favourite songs. So to sing with one voice, to sing uh, as a unified people of God, we need songs that are word-based. can't have word-based unity we don't have word-based, we don't have Bible-based, Jesus-centered songs. We need songs that are well-crafted um, musically and, and lyrically. We just pick the good ones. OK, 
guess that's kind of obvious. We don't need songs that are just bad in their words or, or, or not great musically. And we need songs that are as widely accessible as possible across all the ages, across all the cultures in the church, so that we can sing together with one voice. So we can sing any good biblical song that is accessible to all of us. And those are the best songs because they allow us to come together in in unity and sing with one heart. Let's move on. Uh, This won't take as long as it looks. I'm concentrating on the first few verses. Um, Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the tambourine and the harp. Come back to the subjects of praise, but look at the manner of praise. It is to be wholeheartedly uh, joyful. You're told to rejoice, um, to be glad, and to sing, and to dance, and to play the tambourine. Okay, now I have to confess that I've locked up most of the tambourines. Okay. Because there's nothing worse than a badly played tambourine, and I'm not making casting aspersions on anybody in particular. <laughs> uh, I was not here to hear Stan playing the tambourine, so, so there, is, there is no comment on, 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 on Stan. But praise is to be extravagant, even. Joyful, is it, is it not? Music is a God-given gift to us to express emotion. So it can soothe you when you need it. It can relax us. It, it can lift our spirits. I, I'm, it, does music not intensify emotion? I think that's what it's there for. It's there as a vehicle for our um, emotions. It's given so that we can join together in, in one voice. We need a little bit of rhythm. We need a little bit of, of leading um, so that we can all come together and sing the same song. You can sing the same song unaccompanied, but it's just harder. So the music provides a platform um, for emotion. We shouldn't be scared of, of, uh, of coming and, and singing emotionally to the Lord. Actually, that's surely what the music is there for. To enable you to, to be joyful and, and to be glad. It shouldn't create a false emotion. It, it, it shouldn't create an, an emotion that, that, that isn't there. But actually the, the, the solution to false emotion is, is, is this. To sing on your beds. Okay, isn't that great? Let his faithful people rejoice in this honour and sing for joy on their beds. Should be no need for the worship um, to create an emotion that isn't there. It's just a platform. You should have your own personal worship life that you express on your own, even on your own. Sorry, express at home, even on your own. You should sing on your bed. Okay, why not? Have you got your own personal worship life? Do you ever use songs at home? Do you ever put on a CD? Or do you read through a hymn as part of your devotions? And then if you've got your own personal worship life, then you bring that prepared affection for the Lord 
that, that developed affection, your own love for the Lord, and you bring it to church, and then you express it loudly with the rest of your church family. So the job of worship leading, it, it can be a, a tough one. They're just trying to provide a platform for you to join with your church family and sing loudly. I think there is a sense, sometimes I spent many years leading worship before I trained for the ministry. That was how I grew up in the Christian life. And they do want to try and provide something, I think, that kind of teases out of you, um, teases out of you worship and, 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 and love from the Lord. But they shouldn't really need to. Because their job is made easy. Whoops. Their job is made easy if you have your own worship life and if you come um, to church ready to, ready to praise the Lord. I go to the um, EFCC Ministers Prayer Conference. And they, they tend to sing hymns um, with a mixture of, of kind of modern songs. But you don't need to wind these guys up. Um, to praise. Um, they just come and you just set them going. You know, you could play the first three notes on the piano and then they would bang the rest out um, at, at the top of their voices um, because they're there, um, ready to praise. They have a relationship with the Lord and they come ready to express it, desperate to express it um, with one another loudly because some of them don't get that um, in, in their own churches. Um, so to be honest, they would probably you give them a note and they would, they, they would sing un, unaccompanied. And the job there of the musicians is made so much easier because these people are ready to come. They're ready. Um, they just want to come and praise um, and they want to come uh, and praise together. Well, one interesting experience was, obviously I preach in other churches occasionally and one other church, which I won't mention, um, not so long ago, they had very average music, I thought. And, and they were on a particularly bad day um, when I went there with their music group. Um, but the congregation were up for it. They were just really ready to, to praise. How sad would it be if we have some really competent music and yet we're just not up for it? If you think there is a problem with the worship, then I was tempted to say there is, and it's you. But I won't put it like that. If you, it, 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 do you get me? If you think there's a problem with the worship, then almost, almost certainly you've got a massive log in your own eye um, which you need to take out before you can look at the minutiae. Uh, all the other stuff that's going on. The psalm gives us lots of reasons, reasons to sing. Uh, fuel for singing. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend time on it because you know this stuff. It says, sing because the Lord is our maker. You have a constant reminder day by day, um, constant fuel for your praise around you. Every time you step outside the door, every time you look at a tree, um, you know, just think, Say, wow, that was, that was made out of the Lord's... That, the Lord made that with his love and his joy. It's an expression of the Lord's personality. Um, just look at the sky and, and, and say, this is, this is an amazing thing. Um, and praise the Lord because he is our maker. That's what the psalm says. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. 
Be thankful that Jesus is your king. You've been brought into a covenant relationship with God through Christ. And he is now your king. And he is a benevolent king who is also your good shepherd, who is looking out for you, who has committed himself um, to your well-being, who loves you infinitely more than you could ever love him. And the Lord takes delight in his people. Why should we be happy about God? Because he was happy about you first. He brought you into this place through Christ, through the cross, through the resurrection, into a place where he can look on you as if you were Christ and, and be happy with you. The Lord takes, his, his, uh, takes delight in his people. You are the apple of his eye. I can't remember where it comes from. Where does it come from, Leslie? No. You are, the Bible says, the apple of his eye. He, he loves you. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honour. Let you and me, his faithful people, together rejoice in this honour that we are the people in whom God delights. Zephaniah, this is the Lord himself speaking of, of, of a day of rescue. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's not a glorious thing, that having been rescued in, in Christ, the Lord delights in you, and he rejoices over the fact that you are saved. He rejoices over you with singing. The, the least you can do is open your mouth loudly in return. So we'll sing as we fight. God's people, we praise him even as we wield the, the sword of scripture. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations. So we fight um, verbally. We fight um, with words. We fight with the word about the word. We fight through explaining scripture to people by telling them the gospel. The, the word of God is, is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. So the risen Jesus... Um, if you read it in Revelation, he's pictured as a sword coming out of his mouth. And he says to one of the churches, if, if, you don't, if you don't buck up, I'll come and fight with you with the sword out of my mouth. That is how Jesus fights. And then later on when he comes in, in uh, uh, Revelation 19, he uses the same sword that comes out of his mouth, his word, um, to fight and to, and to judge the nations. So our warfare is verbal. We keep proclaiming the gospel as we have opportunity. And it keeps rescuing people and judging people. And we keep praising. So we've got to move on. So I want you to sing. I want you to use the praised fuel that you have been given. Okay? And you've been given a lot. You've been given creation and you've been given uh, scripture. Use the praised fuel you've been given. Use it to develop your own personal worship life. Make worship part of your daily devotions to the Lord. Maybe you need to pull out some songs. I think it'd be really good practice to interact with the songs that we sing. 
Because if you interact with them in your devotions, then you will, you, will, you will pick out meaning in them that you never see them see in them on a Sunday morning if this is the only time you interact with them, be they, be they hymns or the, or the songs that we, we use. Read them. And then bring that affection that you are developing on your own, bring it into church, ready to express it loudly and corporately. And I suggest you prepare your hearts before you come. So that's all of us young people and old people alike. You could come to church with just your hearts prepared, couldn't you? You could have used a little bit of praise fuel in the morning um, just to whet your appetite, to remind you of who Christ is so you come prepared to worship. We will do our best to provide you good word-based songs that we can sing together. And let that be the soundtrack to the fight. Let that be the soundtrack to our battle.